Hi guys, I'm André Villas-Boas, listening to Echoes of Glory. And don't forget, whatever happens, the future is bright, the future is lily white. Come on, your spurs. Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory. I'm ASD. I'm Rob. And I'm Jack. Can I just say, the original Echoes of Glory, because we are often replicated, often copied. There was, there's a case <laughs> of a, a former Spurs player who was due to come on the show podcast. I think we're the only podcast he hasn't been on. And uh, he mysteriously cancelled, then started a business called Echoes of Glory. And then there's a few other things popping up. So uh, you know where you heard it first. So it's been a couple of weeks since we podcasted. Sorry, it's my fault. I've been in Istanbul. I want to talk to you about football in Istanbul because it is mad over there. I was there for three game days and they've got three teams in that city. Uh, Besiktas, Fenerbahce, Galatasaray, and people are mad for it. And it, it was amazing to see. But before that, we've got to talk about the mighty Tottenham Hotspur and we just keep on doing it. We've done it again. Who is the most important player to this side? Or who has caused the biggest change in this side? Because I, I think there's, there's one... I have not briefed you on this as well. And I'll tell you what I'm thinking. It's Mickey van der Ven. I think he has been the biggest change. Obviously, there's one other player. No, because I think you can go Sarbasuma, Madison. But I think van der Ven, showing up that defence, maybe Vicario. But it's it's we have as much stopped the other teams as we have gone forward and attacked them. And I think he has been a, the, the significant improvement his speed, nobody gets around him, his passing ability, he moves forward with the ball, like prime Jan Vukatongan, he's young, I think he's going to be, those two are going to be the best central, partnership, uh, central defensive partnership in the world. He looks a real deal, doesn't he, Mickey? He really does, like, you look at centre-back, if you, if you were creating a centre-back and you wrote down, you know, five or six attributes they have to have, he's an, a nine out of ten, all of them. Like and and just the amount of times in games where like a ball get played behind the fullback, traditionally you're in a bit of trouble there. It's like yeah, no problem. And like there was even points, wasn't it, where he was from left centre half. He's covering the right back. He's yeah. that quick. He can get across. He's been he's phenomenal. I, I I wouldn't downplay Romero's impact on Van de Ven either. I think Romero. I was very critical of him last season because I just thought he didn't play enough. And when he did play, he was very hit and miss. He's been really consistent. And I think that slightly more experienced player, we forget Romero's pretty young, but that slightly more experienced head next to Van der Ven, I think, makes such a difference. Those two, you're right, they just complement each other so well. You've got that that natural aggressor and then the sweeper. And it's like, it's a perfect combination. So um, loving watching Mickey play. I, I To your question... I'd, I would probably agree with you, but I would say that Vicario in goal has been, and we all know I hate goalkeepers. I was like, this is a big <laughs> moment. I hate goalkeepers. You, The difference in the level between Hugo of the last couple of years, and let's not forget Hugo has and was been an incredible goalkeeper and player for Spurs, but Hugo of the last couple of years and the impact Vicario has made in these first 10 games, he is saving us points in, in games like and he's making vital saves in moments where you'd think oh if Hugo had been in goal the last couple of years that might have gone in and then the game's completely different uh, he has been an absolute still what was it about 16 17 million yeah that is an umbel- pound for pound that is a good assignment is what we've made for a number of years that is just remarkable he is a he's a 40 50 million pound goalkeeper from what we have seen from these first 10 games and this might be him at his absolute best and, you know, it, it might level out. But what we've seen so far, he has been 
unbelievable in goal. Making saves, incredible distribution. He's a bit loopy and he's a bit of a character, which most goalkeepers are. Those two, you know, how, how long have we been saying the last two, three years, we need a centre-back, we need a goalkeeper? And you, you see the difference it makes. I'm not saying we're going to go on and achieve what, what Liverpool achieved, but they had the same problem. Van Dijk, Alisson, bang. All of a sudden, they're a completely different team. And we're a completely different team with those two players. And you think, if something was to happen to one or both of them, you're looking at the understudy and it's a massive drop, isn't it, to force to come in or die coming in at centre-back. So those two standouts, um, just sensational. But Mickey is just, it's, it's Vertonghen, but more aggressive and with more pace. And and a little bit less sloppy. Vertonghen always had a little bit clumsy, the yeah. little bit of clumsy. So he's, it's like they've combined Vertonghen and Alderweireld a little bit, you know. It's just the sheer pace and the way we play. I think um, Andrew was talking about it, wasn't he, after the Palace game, was saying, like, we, we need a centre-back to be that quick because we're so aggressive with our line. And it's like, that's why if something happens to him, you're looking at that thinking, well, we'll have to, we'd, ha- we'd have to adapt how we play. But thankfully, nothing like that's happened so far. But he just he looks phenomenal. And what is he, about 22, 23? It's scary, isn't it? He, he could properly go to Real Madrid and be their centre-back, be the the Ramos. So we said the same with Romero. He could be their centre back for the next ten years, no problem. I, to- well, I totally agree about him. He's, he, the, I, I almost think the the whole in, you know he can't get injured thing is a bit of a misnomer to be honest because he, he, I think he's completely unique in the league. There is when when you he's so quick, it is unreal. I mean, literally when you're in the stadium and you see him. It, it, your mind is discombobulated that something that big can move that fast. Yeah. I mean, it is just a complete, and, he, and, and in other ways, he's actually a little bit ungamely. Like he's not particularly cultured, um, you know, in his movement or graceful in the way that he drifts around in the same way that like the Tongan used to be. But he is just so fast. It is unbelievable. Um, I think, um, I think the the obvious answer is to maybe call out someone like Madison and uh, his his performances, but I think we saw a bit of this against Palace. Um, his mindset and the drive that he's having on the team. But I have to say that for me, I'm going back to my favourite topic. Uh, Saar for me is I think he's sensational. That kid, he is everywhere he's got an engine on him if he was more aggressive i think he'd be like Vieira Sar. if he was he's more aggressive right, he's not aggressive enough and that's clearly part of his game he's he perhaps gonna have to work on if he wants to boss central midfield in the premier league for the next 10 years but the way he controls the tempo of the team breaks up play he bursts forward he was I thought a little bit unlucky in the way he tried to play Sonny through for the 3-0 against Palace I know Sonny gave him absolute pelters for it during and after the game I thought it was a bit unlucky but then I think I might have a bit of a loving and I'm biased but I, I just think he's um he is an absolute baller that kid he is he is immense and I and he's he's so good that I think Basuma's place is under pressure for me now that Benton Kerr is fit. You're going that way around. I was yep. about to say Basuma's one of my favourite players to, to watch ever. But yeah, I mean, I love Sar. All the all the, all the the plaudits that N'Golo Kante met, got, you know, 
um, for that one. He only played one season at Leicester. You can start to say about Saar, like just being everywhere, yep. engine, everywhere. tackling. He's engine. just tailor-made for that role, isn't he, as well? Yep. Like the three we play, you've got the sitter, the creative, and then the box to box engine. He's, just, he's tailor-made for it. And I I do think it's interesting. There's no doubt that Benton is a better footballer, but yep. he's a different type of player. Benton called Tassar, completely different. So it'll be very interesting with that dynamic of it's just, it's just another option, isn't it, for us in that midfield? You can, I think Benton Court can play. He's unique in terms of he can actually do any of those three roles. He could be the deep lying, you know, destroyer. I think he can create as, as well as as well as Madison can in in certain games, and he, he has got an engine on him. But it'd just be interesting to see where and uses him. He, he's probably going to phase him back in. To the side over the next couple of months, that but luxury, isn't he now? Yeah, yeah but Saar, Saar, I completely agree, Rob. Saar in that role is absolutely perfect for it. He's, 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 he's I'm telling you, he's, he's immense. I called him early. But Bentecker's like five years older than Saar, and Saar's that's like a quarter of Saar's life, which is a which is a big deal, you know. He's if you imagine where Saar's going to be in five years, you'd hope he had he picked up a bit of that nous that Bentecker's got. I think that's a good word for it, like nous, just understanding football at a high Game professional management level. And yeah, is yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yep. We so we beat Palace. My, uh, tough game. Gonna, tough yeah. game. It's always a tough game. Yeah. Yeah. Any, I was saying this as I was watching it. There's any game in the Premier League when you go away from home, you're going to have to play well and you are going to have moments in the game where you're under a bit of pressure and you're going to have to defend. It doesn't matter if you're playing Luton or you're playing City. Every away game is, a, is tough and you don't win away from home very often if you don't play well. And Palace was a really, really difficult game for us. And I, I thought at half time this could be a nil-nil. Like we might find it difficult to break them down because I thought Palace in the first half defensively, as boring as it was to watch, I thought they were sensational defensively. Yep. We had two banks of four. Will Hughes I've covered so much ground that first half, sort of second strike, and when they won it back, dropping. I thought they were so well organised, and it was like it's going to take something special to break it down, and then bang, you know. You find yourself 2 0 up and relatively comfortable as well, apart from the last five minutes. But I, I thought it took it was a it was a different type of game for us, I thought, Palace, than what we've faced so far this season, because that was a proper two banks of four. We are not conceding, we're not even bothered about scoring. Like we're we're happy with a nil-nil. Completely different. When we've played even Luton or Sheffield United, you know, they they did have a bit of an outlet and they were looking to try and score. I didn't think Palace were even looking to try and score in that first half. So it was incredibly frustrating to watch. But fair play to Ange and the team. They stuck at it. They really did. It was a real, I thought it was much more of a gritty win compared to the some of the other wins we've had. A really mature performance. I really enjoyed yeah. the Palace performance. I mean, I thought it was, if you, I've been, I've, been lucky enough to go and watch an away game at Sellers Park before. It's a horrible place to go mm. and play. It's so noisy, really close in. So it would have been quite intimidating. And I thought that the maturity that they showed and it really demonstrated that they believe, like they they they're in that mindset at the moment and that phase where they don't believe they can lose, you know. And yeah. um and that and that really shone through with the the patience that they showed and um and everything. And it and it was a real I actually, I, I in the uh, the football that we've got to watch, the two games that we've got to watch in the last week, I actually was, am really, really encouraged for their season 
as a result of both of them, but in very in very different ways. Um, and uh, you know, I, I was very impressed. I have to say, against Palace, it was that that is genuinely the sort of game we would have gone and had a nil nil or lost one nil a couple mm. of years last season. You know, it was nice as well during that game. I didn't feel like we were going to concede. You know, those games when teams are just defending, but you think they're going to do us on the counter. If they get a set piece, you can, you're thinking, oh, here we go. You know, classic Spursy. I didn't feel that in the Palace game. I genuinely thought like this is probably going to be a nil-nil game. Um, so as soon as we got that first, it was like, oh, you know, the game surely now is going to open up. And Andrew's with right what you said, like when, when you set up the way Palace do, you have to get that first goal against them because then they've got to at some point come out, which they're not particularly good at doing. The football for the second goal, that was a thing of beauty, wasn't it? It was oh, just it like is. waiting, enticing them in on the press. And then when they did, bang, 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 five or six passes. Beautiful switch of play from Saar, wasn't it, out to Brennan Johnson. Um, and just a really, really well-worked goal. Um, that was, ju- you know, I was sat watching it being like, we're purring now. This is, you know, proper, proper great, great play. Do you know what I mean? Building out from the back, switching it, players in the box. It was it was a brilliant, brilliant team goal. It could be goal of the season for us because it was just there's so many elements. I thought Porro keeping the ball, getting it off to um, Saar was absolutely brilliant. He's Johnson, a different player, Porro. What's a going on? Player. Yeah. Well, and Johnson, two touches, one header, one touchback. Absolutely brilliant. Like perfect. And it was nice to see a winger play. We haven't had a winger play like that for a while, like cutting it back to a striker. And how good is Son in the middle now? He's he. he times his runs to perfection and he's got the deftest of touches um it was just it was just lovely to see your point on um the passing between vicario and romero was hilarious because well your point wasn't hilarious it was hilarious to watch because you go that they're damned if they do and damned if they don't because if they if they come to us then we just get the space and that's how we scored that second goal and if they don't come to us we're just going to pass it back Romero completed 141 passes yesterday that's the most any Spurs player has completed since 0304 20 years and um, he only completed six fewer than Palace did the whole game the whole game one player it's, it's hilarious there was a stat early in the season which I couldn't believe which was um, not involved with Spurs it was Burnley against Man City and um, at half time, Sander Berg, who plays centre mid for Burnley, he'd had eight touches in 45 minutes of football and he plays centre midfield. And I was <laughs> like, that is, that must be demoralising. You've literally basically just gone out and run six and a half K in 45 yeah. minutes, effectively well, what you've just done. That's basically what Haaland does every game, though, but slightly different, slightly different vibes, though, isn't it? Who's winning a foot race, Haaland or Mickey? Oh, Mickey. How good, how good will that be to see just two like absolute units? Just smashing into each other for ninety minutes, chasing the but that's going to be incredible. What what a game that is going to be! You, and how, go on. Do Do you remember? Um, it sort of it was a, it sort of started around the sort of 2015, 2016 season when they really started to hit you know kind of get their stripes and hit their stride under under Pochettino, and we started winning games that we hadn't been winning. We started and and we started dealing with situations in games that we would have crumbled in previously. And and at the beginning, in the end, we started to expect it because you adapt quickly as a fan. But at the beginning, it was like, ah, oh, this is different. This, I'm like, oh, hang on a minute, something's going on. This is different. And that game on Friday felt a bit like when we were one nil up, 
and we were under pressure, I was expecting us, to your point, Jack, to to concede, you know, because we've missed a couple of chances. And it's like the old thing of in the Premier League, you've got to put your chances away because you get punished for them and all of that. And then we suddenly scored the second goal. And it was like, and I suddenly realised, actually, we were completely in control of that game. Of course, we scored the second goal. We should have had a third. And actually, things are changing. And I felt a little bit like that on Friday, how I was feeling three or four years or four or five seasons ago when we suddenly, you know, after Christmas in 15, 16, when we suddenly went and got a result at Chelsea and we went and did what we did in the Champions League and all that sort of stuff, stuff that we would never previously have done. There is a shift happening. There is. It isn't just about form. There is there is a mentality shift that has happened in that team. I can feel it. And yeah. uh, it's exciting. I remember the last two games of that last two because we didn't lose at home that season, right? I think yeah. we're in the Europa League that season. We, I think, I remember playing Ghent quite vividly, but um, going to that Arsenal game, and I was so confident we were never going to lose that game in a million years. We scored two, didn't we? Delhi scored, and then Kane got a penalty a minute later. But then, and then going with you, Jack, to the Man United game, and again thinking we're never going to lose this. And this was Man United, but we're never going to lose this game. I do think there's a little bit of a sense of for opposition teams when they play us at the moment, they're having to deal with something that they've not had to worry about with us for quite a few years. And I do think that there will, not to put a downer on how we're doing, but I do think there will come a point where we will be labelled as a team that's been found out a little bit when we have a couple of results. Because at the minute, it's a little bit like, whoa, bloody hell, Spurs play like what? Like, you know, for the last four or five years, it's our style and our patterns of playing and the way we've done stuff has been pretty consistent. And now we're completely ripped up what we've been doing and, and we're something brand new. A bit like really what the other lot down the road were doing last year. And it took sort of a few months for teams to figure out, OK, how do we try and combat this? And then they had a few dodgy, dodgy results. But it's amazing. We've just we're, we're building up so many points already and we're getting so far in front of certain teams that at the start of the season we were realistically thinking we'll be competing with them for European places we're already like nine in front of Newcastle for example which is like that's a that's a lot already like you almost sound like we could afford to lose home and away to them and we're still above them you know so it's like if we can just keep this run going for another half a dozen games like you're almost building up so many points that actually a Champions League spot you'd have to almost absolutely fall apart in the second half of the season only one team I think only one team in the last 10 seasons hasn't it made top four that's it that's it After so i think it's we it feels to me like we've almost caught a lot of teams out it's like the element of surprise like within the, how we've been playing is not what they've anticipated or expected um and it's why we've got so many good results i've yeah. got our predictions open for what we did right at the beginning of the season um now according to the league table is it stands or is it we have a goal difference of 13 at the moment not the highest in the league you know arsenal city Newcastle got 15. Um, Sheffield United are on minus 22. Yeah, awful, by the way. Awful team. Awful, awful, awful team. But we said, like, I said it'd be 12. It's going to be way more than 12 now. The, the closest is going to be Charles on 34. Mm. But we'll get back to it at the end of the season. But the thing that you said, Rob, of what you wanted to feel at the end of the season was that these are your words, we were a proper team again. No one is looking forward to playing us. We have an identity where there's pride to watch us. It's incremental stability and improvement. That's exactly what we're doing. It's so good to see. Yeah. 
Coaching. Coaching, yeah. Um, He's done a lot in a really short space of unbelievable. time. Unbelievable. Um, unbelievable, yeah. And it's not just... I don't want to downplay the unity and the thing like obviously he's got the fans on side, which is massively important, but he's improved a lot of players in a real short space of time. At specific things that if you look back over like I'm thinking of Poro. He's an absolute standout one for me that I'm like last season, fantastic engine on him could sort of deliver a great cross or a great ball in the final third because we saw that because he scored some great goals and got some fantastic assists. But you're looking at him thinking he's a bit dumb, he's not a particularly great defender, and, like, does he does he have maturity about understanding how football works and, like, you know, being part of a team? He, he was very much an individual. And it's like, he's improved him technically. Like, he's playing, you know, at points in games as a central midfielder. That last season, he would have been 10th on the list of our starting eleven who could play central midfield. You'd be like, no, no, only the goalkeeper is worse than, than him. You, I just did not see... That transformation, I saw a flying, you know, fallback getting forward, but I did not see the technical elements to his game and being able to step into midfield and receive the ball on the half turn and control control the game in like defensive. I, I did not see that type of quality from him. That's the stuff that's made me the most surprised because that's something that normally takes at least a season, at least to really take a player's weakness and make it a strength. So the, the coaching and the improvement of certain players is just, uh, that's the bit where I'm like, that is unbelievable what he's done with some of those players in such a short period. Which we specifically haven't had under Conte and Mourinho. They, they, they almost refused to do that. They just wanted the best, fit into my system, then move you on. Well, what did we say for many years? How many players has this manager improved? We used yeah. to say it all the time, didn't we? And like Ange's already, already done, it's a very small sample size, but... The early signs, you just you're thinking, "Core, there's a real great opportunity for this group to be a, a a proper solid side for the next few seasons." Which is, it's mad. It's absolutely mad from where we were. I think he's improved every single one of the first eleven. Every single one, even yeah. even the really experienced guys. Sonny Kulusevski. I mean, I'm I'm not. Um, I need to get the data, but he's running that that guy. I mean, he must be the fittest footballer on the planet. He never stops moving. Yeah. yeah, I think he's I think he's massively underrated for us. Still. Yeah, he's not. He doesn't hit the goals and assists that he did in the first six months. But that was because he was overperforming, if we're being honest. But I think he's he's one of those players that he just sort of brings everything together quite nicely. Like I was watching the Manchester derby today and he's it, this guy's on another level. But like you watch Bernardo Silva and like it just makes everything click. And I do feel like Kulusevski is that kind of guy for us that he just he links play so well. He's an intelligent footballer. Have him over Saka, that's for sure. Oh, that's a big shout. I would, I would. I think Saka's overrated, but we can talk about that another time. He said that. I said that last season, but then I, I think, saw him when he played us. I think you're both mad with that. I think Saka's <laughs> absolutely unbelievable. Well overrated. Yeah, that, and score enough goals, but he's absolutely unbelievable. That, yeah. Um, do you think that's an individual thing, or it's a just change of a system thing, and suddenly they're just happier to play football? Oh, that's a good question. I think you can see that they do all seem to be enjoying it a bit more. And it's like, again, I don't know what the stats are, but we we definitely as a team are running more and making more sprints. But I bet it doesn't feel like that to them. It was, and I think, it was on match of the day. I think they're running an extra six kilometres as a team. Yeah. And I think okay. Sun said it in his interview after the Palace game. He was like, I really enjoy the high pressing. And mm. it's like, it's like you're almost 
running and moving. They've got a purpose again, haven't they, into how we're playing. Um, and as a footballer, I think no matter what position you're playing, from goalkeeper all the way to centre forward, you want to score goals as a team. Mm. You want to be involved in a team that's scoring goals and winning. Even if you're an old school centre half, like you don't just want to be in your box heading it you know, for, for 90 minutes. You do want to be on the front foot and being aggressive. And they just all look like they're enjoying their football again. Um, and it might, it might be such a simple thing to say, but like I, I just think that makes such a difference, even at the top level. Poster Coglu in his interview on Friday, I don't know if you caught this, but he said something I thought was really interesting. It struck me about Conti, actually, in the nonsense the previous summer of, you know, all the players throwing up and collapsing on the pitch. Is he said... Um, we're quite happy to play. He said, uh, we, we kept you back a long time. He was talking to the interviewers, Kelly Cates thing. He said, we kept we kept you back a long time. But my team, we're happy. We'll go 105, 110, 115, 120 minutes. We're all good. We've got these boys really fit, he said. But he said, the thing is, is getting them fit is only part of the story. You've got to give them a reason to run. Mm. And I was mm. like, yeah, that's it. That's it. They believe they believe and they are and they are they are they have a vision of what they're trying to do and they're going after a goal and they're all in it together and they've got a reason to run and the previous perhaps two managers the reason that he gave them a run was because the manager wanted them to run and it, it doesn't work like that anymore you know you get fit didn't you as a team to play football by playing football like mm. that's why often you see all these pre-season things. It's like, oh, we did this this grueling hill runs and we did this and we did that. And it's like, that's all well and good, but that football doesn't work like that. Like you're never really moving at, at any intensity for more than about 15 seconds. It's all about short, sharp movements. And it's like, I've just always been a big believer that to get a team fit, you need to, you know, use football to do that, not just send them on soulless runs. That must be so demotivating as well. Yeah. Like. It's just setting a base of aerobic fitness, isn't it? But then you you match Which isn't sharpness. fitness, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I watched a brilliant video on bodybuilders sharing their gym routines with a rock climber. So obviously rock climbers who yeah. build their bodies and with their own body weight basically, and and they set the the gym machines, the bodybuilders to the weights that they do. And these guys are huge, obviously. And then the rock climber can just do it because he's got real world experience, and it's not like bodybuilders isolate muscles, don't they? And that's what that sort of gym work does that you're talking about pre-season it isolates muscles and builds your aerobic thresholds whereas what this rock climber do he constantly has to use all of his muscles and all of his core and so it all works together um son looking sharpest as sharp as he's ever done he's now 111 goals same as Mane in the Premier League he's two behind Ian right now he's 24 from the all-time Premier League top goal scorers that's insane isn't it I mean Raheem Sterling's got 118 goals more than Ian Wright, too fewer than Steven Gerrard. He's going to beat him. That's it. That has blown my mind. Mm. Well, he might not because he's at Chelsea, but you never know. But big congratulations to Sonny, who's just tearing it up. He at looks the great. We just he looks well, great nice. down the middle, and and we look so much more balanced. And I also think that um, he's not. He's never going to be a footballer that's pretty on the eye. But Richarlison on the left is so much more balanced. I think for the team. 
and he does he does work you say what you like about Richardson, he does work extremely hard down that left hand side. Yeah. And I just think that it's taken a little bit of pressure off of him as well from being the you know the, the centre of the Spurs attacks. I I don't think Richardson is essential forward. If I'm I don't no. I never have. I think he's always better operating off the left. But you'd probably argue that Sun is better in that position as well. But Sun's transition to now being a centre forward is fantastic there. He's he's got that clinical side to him that four or five years ago and Esther you remember I used to give Son a hard time on the pod about not being clinical enough but now that he's got that like we've still got that goal scorer at the top end of the pitch like Son he's on track to get 25 league goals isn't he Son which is like that's what a centre forward there or thereabouts has been getting it's like as much as I'd love Harry back like we've it doesn't feel at the moment like we've lost that clinicalness from our you know centre forward which is amazing it's going to extend his career son in the same way that Ronaldo has been able to extend his career by not playing on the left he hasn't got a track back as far he's only got to do his defensive pressing in the upper third of the pitch he hasn't got to come back into midfield's areas unless he's dropping deep just to get the ball and and so it's going to preserve his legs we're going to we're going to get we're going to get the best of him for longer this season and next season as a result of that and he just he's just world class just what a player amazing love him Charlison I mean I'm I'm sure he'll come good at the moment he's got more goals and assists he's got the same amount of goals got more assists than Gabriel Jesus he's got more he's been good this season so far Rashford he's got the same as Rashford and more assists like I, I think I've been a bit harsh on him in terms of what I've expected from him I've expected him to be doing what Sun's doing actually we need to ch- chill out it's, huh? it's hard when you buy a, a centre forward for 60 million you expect that he's going to come in and, and score goals and it's like if we're honest he's not a 60 million pound player like he's not um, and he's not a prolific goal scorer I know people are like oh but he scored goals at Everton it's like he did but he was scoring sort of 10 to 12 and like he was the main attack he's not going to be someone that gets you 2025 I think the, the sooner everybody sort of starts thinking and accepting that he's a support forward, he's on, going to be on that left. You hope that he can chip in with. I mean, if he got if he got ten goals, that that'd be a pretty good return. Um, but I think the performances that he has been putting in the last few games has been excellent for the team. Um, so there's definitely an element to that. But I think it's difficult when when you buy any player for that sum of money. You, you expect to get an immediate return in the position that you've bought them for. So sometimes it, it, it like we're always going to come back to, oh, yeah, but he was 60 million quid and he's, how many goals has he scored? But actually, he's not that player for this team. I get the sense that he's frustrating the manager a little bit. Looking at Postacoglu's reactions to him on the sidelines. He's, now that Johnson's fit, he's had a couple of games off the bench. I'm interested to see whether... That work rate of Richarlison um, is going to be enough to keep him in the team as a starter now that Johnson's fit. Interesting to see what what Postecoglou will do. My sense is that he'll play Johnson. Yeah, I yeah, agree. Yeah, I think so. I really well. like the look of Brennan Johnson. Yeah, he's lightning as well, wouldn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. rapid, really, well, really quick. How fast is our team now? They're just rangy and fast. Uh, I saw a stat in midweek about Zidane. I only got 10 league goals once in his yeah. career. You see this? Yeah. 
Um, so if we 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 can if if he doesn't have to hit that many goals, then we can forgive Richarlison. Bellingham, Bellingham's already done it. That's it. That's where it came from. He scored <laughs> more than it. he's. What is going on with him? He scored more than Ronaldo did in his first thirteen goals for Real Madrid, and he was. It, a, it's it's ridiculous. I know I know that this will probably leave you going, oh, ASD, but England, we've got the best centre forward in the world and the best number ten. It's like it is sensational. How how often can we genuinely look back and say in that position we have got the best two? Like what a front two for England. Bellingham just off a cane. That is unbelievable. Yeah. That's got then, a quarter quarter final exit right all over. Everyone's it, got to remember they're managed by Southgate. Oh yeah, you've got Maguire at the back. Maguire Which at the back and he'll pick in a living. <laughs> who, 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 what was it? ASD played in front, lost in front of seven hundred and forty people. Yeah, yeah. I performed week. in front of more people. That we're doing uh, that right now. What a joke! In his it, what first eleven games, he's he's performing the same amount of people that um, cumulatively that Anfield holds. I mean, what bad. what is what's this project that he's a part of? They're just gonna they're not gonna run out of money, but surely they it'll just because the this happened in China, didn't they? Didn't it? And they were all there. They all they all went. Hulk went over there. Oscar is still over there in, in Shanghai. And we thought, you know, maybe they're going to do something. They just don't care. It was uh, it was Igalo, wasn't it? The former Watford and United forward who's like, we are all out here for money. Like, <laughs> let's not try and kid ourselves. Like, let's just all admit it. We've all taken a payday. Like, and that's fine. <laughs> it was like, I love the honesty. It's like Gerard. Gerard's out there and he's like, I think the third highest paid manager in the world. And losing. And losing <laughs> and playing in front of 700 people. It's, it's so mm. transparent. It's a joke. Easier to lose in front of 700 than 35,000, though, isn't it? So, you know. It is, like we're doing now. Can I, um, <laughs> can, can, I read you <laughs> can I read you a quote that came out uh, overnight? It says, I like always to say what I feel deeply, and I believe Tottenham will be one of the contenders for the league. They bought Madison, who was a great player, and who was that link from low midfield to high midfield, and added some technical creativity to the team. They bought Van der Ven, who I find exceptional. I find him absolutely exceptional. They had weaknesses there at the back, and last year, Lloris didn't have the best of seasons as well. And overall, the movement from Sun into the middle looks very good. You know who said that? Yeah. Yep. Well-known Tottenham fan, Arsene Wenger. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's saying it. Right, he was saying it on Match of the Day. These are people who do not like Tottenham at all. Do you, do you both think that we are in a title challenge? Mm, no. Not that. Well, we are literally, but we're not. Like, we're on a wave of emotion. Like you, we haven't. Like when we play City, what happens next Monday against Chelsea? You know, when we go play Arsenal next where we play Liverpool I mean we beat Liverpool so that's a massive thing we're running out of the big testing games you know but I think the City game will be massive so I think the safe option is to say no let's just enjoy it you know but you know what like they got 20 what is it 26 points is that right 23 after nine games And they've got one game a week. One game a week. That's all they've got. So next season, when the legs are tired for Man City and Arsenal and Liverpool, when the legs are tired, our legs won't be tired. They got they can get training, 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 training. All they gotta do is concentrate on one game a week. Do I think they can win the league? I think 
if Man City decide they're going to win the league, Man City win the league. It's a little bit like when, you know, Roger Federer used to turn up and decide if he was going to win a tennis match. <laughs> but I think they have an opportunity this season to get various different legacies off their back and to have an unbelievable year if they can keep everybody fit. I honestly really do. They will never have a better opportunity after this start, these 10 games, with one game a week to keep everybody fit and have an, have an outstanding season. And I am I, not particularly dreaming about them winning the league, but I do think that they will have um, really missed an opportunity if they now don't go and have an exceptional season, like top three, top two. Honestly, if, I, if if you were to be offered third right now, would you take that? No, no, not third. How mental is that? That a few no. months ago, I'd have probably taken fifth if you'd have offered to, <laughs> offered it to me before the season started. Definitely. I think if All they played Liverpool Saturday, they beat them. Yeah, eleven v eleven. I think they beat them. I think I, if they played, I'm I'm expecting them to go and beat Chelsea two or three, two or three one. I think we'll oh, smash Chelsea. I am. Yeah. I really honestly am. It's going to be a big test set. Um, that could be the end for Pochettino as well, if we beat him I, heavily. I read a Twitter post, sorry, an X post. I don't know, what do you call those things? Tweets, Xs? Yeah. Oh, but um, from um, that uh, person that's stolen uh, your podcast name, ASD, yeah. um, saying that he thinks that we should, everyone should give Pochettino a really warm welcome and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, absolutely not. Like, it's, if you're a proper football fan, a proper football fan, it's never personal. It's about winning. And they, just, I, if they don't give him absolute pelters, pelters, and then applaud him at the end, I'd do something wrong. It's the Chelsea manager. I don't pelters. care who it is. I, applaud I, him at the end. Yeah. I, I don't care who it is. Yeah, yeah. I, it's... It's like, um, who was it? Kobe. I, I really got into basketball. And when USA went to play Spain, Kobe, they went up against one of his uh, teammates. And he said, the first thing I'm going to do is just run through my teammate. I, he's my brother when I'm on the, when I'm playing fair lay with him. And he did. He just went literally the first minute, went straight through him. And he went, oh, OK, like now this is this is what I'm here for. Yeah. And that's what I want to do. It's like if we ever end up playing Bayern Munich. I want to see Romero break. Kane's leg, like just because <laughs> he's gone, and I, I don't wow. care about his halfway line goal, and I don't care about his hat trick anymore. I did like Harry Winks's goal though. I did see that. For yeah, that was a good goal. Yeah, it's nice. They love it. See that Neil Warnock's being lined up. I need to go back in at QPR. <laughs> My God, oh, we have to move on. When My you were talking God. earlier, Rob, about like um, working out our style, and it felt like we we've had eras, right? Because we had the marine, we had Tiki Taka, then we had Mourinho. The, the deep block, low block, the defensive era. And then in response to that, we had the quite pragmatic era of Pep and then Klopp. And it feels like we we may be in that, that the next evolution of, of that now, where we're sort of the high block. I don't know. It just feels like we're... It's high, in a... it's high press, high energy football. Everything's done with intensity, isn't it? You know what it is? I actually think the football we watch now is the most direct football that, that, that there's been around for 30, 40 years. Because it's like... It's get the ball and how can you create an opportunity with the fewest passes? Because games now seem to be won and lost in a team winning the ball back in the opposition's third. So that tends to be where sides create and score the most goals now. 
So what player from Spurs' recent history would you have back then that would suit this system? Could you imagine in his prime, Bale? Bale. I knew you were going to yeah, say Bale right. instead of a child. Pace, power, like directness. I think I also think Aaron Lennon would be great in this this yeah. era as well. He was he was very, very good at all of that. And then there's certain players that you think would be terrible. Like imagine Van der Vaart in this. Where does he where would he play in this Mate, kind of Dempsey. system? Do you know what Dempsey. I mean? Yeah. I've never liked Dempsey, but imagine him in this just goal oh, hanging Ber- with number two. <laughs> And how high pressed with Berbatov leading the line, you know? So we're set, so it's 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 feasible that Clinton and G would be better suited to football now. Let's <laughs> not get carried away. <laughs> imagine uh, imagine Walker and then Doggy. A, do- oh, a doggy imagine? Walker and Doggy. Imagine that. Yeah. Can you imagine? What a player he is with Doggy. I can't believe how much I know we're top of the league and everybody hates us, but I can't believe how much chat there is about us rather than Man United, who are the worst I've ever seen them in my lifetime. Traveling and them, and there it's is no run. there's no route back. They are three hundred and forty six million in debt officially, which when the Glazers took over it was only eighteen million. So they've got no money. The the players are awful. Anthony's an awful footballer. They played a hundred million pounds for him. And and uh, no one's talking about tr- Chelsea. They're in trouble. Massive they're in trouble. trouble. Just, just on United, I think it's also easy to, yes, they're, they're poor. They've just been absolutely humbled again by City. And it's like, it must be horrible at the moment for your biggest rivals to be City. Because they are just, I don't know if you saw that game this afternoon. Mm. That was like a yeah. training ground game. And that's a Manchester derby. And that looked so easy for City. Like, I, I think what you said earlier, Rob, was bang on, like, if they decide they want to win a game of football and they're even at eight out of ten, they'll beat anyone. They'll beat absolutely anyone. They're just I don't know what you do against them when they play like that. I don't I, I genuinely I don't think that there's a team that gets anywhere near them. You just hope that because they've won so much that they might take their eye off the ball when when your team happened to be playing them and you might be able to, you know, get a result against them. But they're phenomenal. United did you have you just did you see what their back four was? Yeah. Dallow, Evan, Johnny Evans played today, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, it was Dallow at right back, Lindelof at left back, and then Johnny Evans and Maguire at centre half. And you're like, that's dreadful. That's a, that's a mid-table back four at best. They and are it's absolutely... Like they spent all this money, and you're just like, on what? They are banging like, trouble. And and, and I, I personally, I know there's been a lot in the press about it, but based on nothing other than just my suspicion, I, I, I don't believe that that buyout deal didn't happen because the Glaciers didn't want to sell that buyout deal didn't happen because people wouldn't pay the money would they because they're in they're in so much yeah. trouble so much debt but, and and I think um if they have a bad season this year with the value that they've lost off the players that they've overpaid for even with the the kind of drawdown over the over the years of the contract um, you know they're going to be under FFP pressure, and that is that. In in the end, that's got to be the hope for City, right? That actually, the way that they have built that team, the way that they have been able to create what they've created, you know, when nobody else has been able to, I believe, to be against the spirit and the rules of the game. But we'll find out. And if that has happened, then um, then you know they'll be they'll be playing against Wrexham. Good. You know, if ever it's mad, it's, it is, it is mad though, isn't it? The the amount of money that teams are spending to assemble sides that are not that great. Like I watched Chelsea yesterday against Brentford, and I, I don't think Brentford necessarily deserved to win the game. But Brentford basically just said, "You've spent 
whether it is five, six hundred million pound on this start at eleven, we're just going to sit here with two banks to four, and can you score against us? And like they can't. Mm-hmm. And it's like this is one of the most exp- Chelsea is one of the most expensive teams ever created in the history of football, and that is a mid-table side as well. It's it's extraordinary the amount of money that a lot of sides have wasted. I just can't believe that that team that Chelsea have assembled is terrible. The money, that that money. the money that they've spent on the players that have gone into that team, they have not spent that money to build a team. I think they've spent that money for other reasons. You know, it's incredible. The, the game is, um, well, the guy, it's like the game's got an opportunity, I think, to actually get hold of itself and fix itself. And there's all sorts of chat about salary cap and all that sort of, it's got an opportunity to actually bring itself back from the precipice of, you know, complete, just rancid um, toxicity. And um, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm, I am certain for that reason that it won't. Um, uh, but, um, you know, I need it to, I think, notwithstanding the fact that we're going to win the league this year and then we're going to win the treble next yeah. season at Tottenham. Yeah. I need I need it to because I can't, it's 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 not a game it's not to your point about the city who could like it's not a game anymore is it you know it's not sport anymore so i really hope they go after it yeah me too um talking of shit teams uh have you seen what's happened to ajax they just got beat 5-2 <laughs> by psv who were top of the league they were one game their goal difference is minus eight but they are dreadful at the moment, and I I just don't understand it. Like they the got Stephen beat by Brighton. Bergwijn effect. Well, what's his name? We're going there. Who was the guy? Arnie. Who was the guy that was coming to us? Arnie, the bald guy. What was his name? I can't remember his name. Oh God, yeah. Well, the the only other note I've got is um because I oh no I got two notes. I did a bit of dorky diving to have a look at um I was trying to think of what if if we were losing loads of games what's the sort of thing we'd be talking about and everyone always goes about wh- when you're losing when does the manager make his subs you know because Pochettino always and I had to look and he seems to swap a midfielder out in between 16 70 minutes uh, you know around about 65 68 minutes which seems to be working I've got nothing else it just seems to be the point I was going to make there was then it makes sense to have a Hoiberg as well as Bentancourt just to bring him on. I mean, if we can get money for um, Hoiberg, then maybe that that's more important. But I think Hoiberg's a really important squad player to have around for if that's if yeah. that's what his system is. Um, I think and, he's done well as well. The, the games yeah. he's come in and the games he started against Fulham, I think he's done well. I actually thought against Palace he brought a real sense of calmness and maturity. I didn't think it was Basuma's best game against Palace, if I'm honest. But I, I think he's done well, Hoiberg, since, since he's been brought back in. If their form continues through to the end of the calendar year, I, he won't want to be sold in January, will he? Because you no. never know. He'll want no. to give it a go, I think. Yeah, for sure. And then the other one is just, we've got to give a little bit of praise to Daniel Levy because he let Paratici own the sign-ins and, the you know, no one gets everything right, but the sign-ins he's made have made a massive difference to our team. You know, Udogi, 15 million, Van der Ven, 40 million. And do you remember when we were signing Van der Ven? It was him or was it Tapsoba? You know, and it always felt like Tapsoba was number one, and we got Mickey as a as a backup, and it was a bit rushed. But maybe that was tactics or whatever. But everything is pulling through. Everything is pulling through. He signed a lot of our first team now: Romero, Vicario, Saar, 
Royal, Bentica, Kulusevsky, Richarlison, Basuma, Doggy, you know, Poro, Johnson, Madsen, Van der Ven. I don't, all... I, don't, I, I don't know that I um, agree with you that we have to give a little bit of credit to them. I think we have to give like a Massive. lot of credit. Well, the other, the other one, interrupting you there, mate, was um, he didn't rest the manager signing either. Yeah. Who who would have gone after Postacoglu, really? None of us. Fair play. I honestly think um, had he not have changed direction from where he was taken from what he did last season and the season before that, I thought he was, I thought he deserved his criticism last season with his aloofness, his lack of communication about a dreadful season, the shambolic nature of the chopping and changing of managers. And I thought he absolutely deserved everything that he got. But at the end of the day, he's listened, I think, or, or he's at least understood strategically that he needs the fan base notwithstanding the general ticket prices and um you can't i think if you're gonna absolutely criticize levy and and the board when they make the mistakes that they made two years ago when you see the effect that the decisions that they've taken have had on the club in the first four to five months after they've taken them i think it's equally right that we say that they're getting that right yep I just don't know how much of the Ange appointment was judgment or luck, or was it a bit of both? We'll never know the answer. To Aren't that. they all though? Aren't, no, all, what, aren't all those appointments that? Yeah, what we've heard. Them? But what we've heard is is there was a very thorough interview process where some people like they rejected Eric Ten Hag because of his lack lack of character. So it was very thorough, and he had to provide his plans and things. So I don't know. I I feel like it it was a good balance of what was needed versus just trying something new because he said he wanted to try something new. Mm. I just always... Sorry, Jack, go on, mate. No, I was going to say, I just, I always sort of probably sit on the fence more when it comes to criticising the board and the owners because I just feel like I don't know enough about what goes on there. And I, I, I just, it's very easy when things are going well, oh, this is brilliant. And then if we lose the next five, we'll be, you know, these are the same players that, have been slated for the last couple of years and it's like yes the transfers on the whole have probably now look to be good but the managerial appointment's the big one because because if we're looking at it there's a lot of these players that we were like again I come back to Poro I thought he looked absolutely terrible last year and I thought he's not a Premier League player now he looks phenomenal and like that's ultimately down to the manager and it just shows you how big a decision that is and you could you can go and buy all the best players but if you've not got a manager that wants them or you know is thinking in the same way you, you know it doesn't matter we, we had Bale, Son and Kane as our front three under Mourinho and it didn't he didn't play them it didn't work and we you know we weren't an attacking force and you think how's that possible you think like imagine if we had that front three now what that would look like so it's like the, the manager for me is the big one and I, I do from what you said Rob I, I do agree with if they if they have genuinely listened and gone, we've made some mistakes. Let's rectify and go in a different direction. I'm all for saying that's fantastic, but without knowing the ins and outs of was Ange the number one? Did they say actually we need to change it, or did they pursue other managers and not get them and then go? You know, he's he's the best of the of the rest. I'm I'm not sure, but it's worked out, which I think is the main thing. And there's I'm pleased that there's a lot less noise now about all the off the pitch stuff and it's just come back to we're playing good football and we're playing the type of football we want to see and that's the focus with Spurs again which 
that's a nice place to be again. You don't want to you don't want to be supporting a team where actually what's happening on the pitch feels secondary to everybody. So it's just great to have that sense of we're a football team again. Just feels like they've got that balance right. Where I think I said on the yeah, pod yeah. a few times last season that we our primary focus wasn't to be a football team. It was yeah. that you know we were a racing car business, and then we were an NFL, and so and we're still those things, but. And the results are probably helping, frankly, but also the communication coming out of the club clearly show that they are very focused on the football team. It's going to be interesting. And I think you also have to say that the they not only set up the fan advisory forum, but they're clearly listening. I thought the legacy numbers thing they announced last week was great um, and just sends the right message. So it's little things like that. And so we move forward to January and, you know, they, they I think, have to, if they have any ambition this season, need to sign us another centre back. Um, and so, you know, are we going to do that, or are we going to make the same? Is he going to make the same? Is he going to stutter again like he did three or four years ago, and or four or five seasons mm-hmm. ago? Is he is he going to make those same mistakes, or has he, you know, is he going to actually? Is he interested in major honours? Because, you know, you could say that. I mean, they've got they've got. The next 10 games are almost as big as the last 10 to get them still to Christmas. And then, you know, if we're still top three, whatever, at that point, and he doesn't then go and try and reinforce the defence so that we've got coverage, then I, I might have a slightly different opinion about whether he's as focused on it as he seems to be. Will it be Ryan Nelson and Louis Saha January right. window again? Yeah. You know, you know? does he, is he... Because in the end, your club chairman and the people that run the club, they've obviously, they're custodians of the club and they're protecting it and creating a fan environment and all that sort of stuff. But the bottom line is, is they've surely got to want to maximise the potential of what they're able to do. And if they don't now go and, they haven't got to go and sign four or five players, but, but where we clearly have weakness, if they don't now try and address it, if we can, then I, I'm not, you know. I, I'm, I, I wonder whether it's all a bit surface, frankly. But I do, I do, I do think it feels different. It feels different. I think the appointment of Scott Munn is also really good. Like he's clearly he's got a great reputation in the game and stuff. So it just feels good. It feels things change so quickly in football, don't they? You, um, I completely didn't listen to that, Rob, because at least. <laughs> <laughs> when Jack brought up Brian Nelson, as I usual, no change I, there, then, mate. <laughs> I'll be uh, agree. <laughs> the the um, I, Jack gave me the horrors with Ryan Nelson because Saha came in. Do you remember he hadn't scored for ages, and then he scored two on his debut against Newcastle. That thing um, that we won the match. Wasn't it? Hmm? Then no and more. Then no more after that. <laughs> Didn't Asukato get the first goal in that game in like the second minute? Yeah. Come it's on. like 4-0 after 15 minutes or something like that, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and everyone was saying we wanted to stay to Redknapp and all that. But do you remember the Ryan... Do you know, you know what I'm going to talk about? You're going to go Stephen Itch. Stephen Itch. Yeah, yeah. Rob, do you remember this? Stephen Itch away in 2012. Yeah. Um, we went away in the FA Cup and got a 0-0 draw at Stephen Itch. And the team we played was... We had a back three, didn't we? We played a back three yeah. of Dawson, Kabul and Brian Nelson with <laughs> Carl Walker and he Rose. But in front of those two... We had in those three. We had Scott Parker and Jake Livermore. <laughs> I hated that combination. <laughs> so, but I mean, you compare that 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 those two to Sarah and Basuma, and it's like we're in different, different, literally different leagues. And then you had Bale, Sahar, and Defoe at front. Um, 
Add Cranchar on the bench. Bring him on. Add Bongali Kumalo on the bench as well. Bring him on. Do something. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going a bit mental. Um, did, any, did any of you watch any of the Rugby World Cup? Jack, I'm assuming you didn't watch any of it. Rob, do you see any no. of it? Not bothered. Oh. I was Just, so close to messaging you in the semi. I literally had my message to you typed, <laughs> locked and loaded, and then South Africa got that point in the last two minutes. And my message was going to be, I told, fucking told you that England were going to get there. And you were like, no, that's never going to happen. Gonna I was happen. like, wisdom is a thing. But anyway, in the end, you were right and I was wrong. But I thought it was great. The final was amazing. Yeah, tense, great rugby. I know it wasn't, you know, free-flowing rugby, but... I thought I certainly enjoyed the Rugby World Cup a hell of a lot more than I've enjoyed the Cricket World Cup, put it that way. Yeah, that's, that yeah. seems to be going so badly. Such a good second after the Ashes to now just go into whatever's happening now. Just the point about the Rugby World Cup, it was just great sport. And I've been watching it with on message groups with a lot of people who haven't really watched it before. And it's been great to see how, because I love it, but just how accessible the sport has been. Because there's been some unbelievable just games. And at its best, rugby's a... A great sport to watch. Anyway, South Africa, South Africa France might be one oh. of the better, other than maybe the World Cup final. Maybe up there with that. It might be the the best game of sport I've seen. It was unbelievable, yeah. wasn't it? Oh, you what? mean the France Argentina World um, Cup final? No, no, uh, no. The um, France Argentina World Cup final. Yeah, yeah. Alongside that, the South Africa France game. Um, I thought was as a spectacle was was just the, in the rugby was spectacular, just unbelievable game, spectacular. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, it was brilliant, just the way it was played and how close it was, and the fact that the French got beaten, it was brilliant. In their own backyard, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was great. Right, gents, let's end this. Let's end this. Uh, thanks for your time. Probably no pod next week. We're playing on the Monday, so we'll record after after that. Sh- timetable's been weird. Play Monday, Friday, then nothing for ten days, and then December. I'm not sure you've seen. We've got ten games in December. Loads like, of games. City, West Ham, Newcastle. It's going to be difficult. But then Forest, Everton, Brighton, Bournemouth should be a good twelve points. So it's, it's going to be interesting. Is the month. There, it's the month. You know, it? There's about. It's nearly a third of the season, isn't it? It's played in December. So it's like if you can string a winning run together there, put yourself in a great position. I haven't got the fixture. In fact, quite a lot of them are at home now, aren't they? I can tell you now. It's, um, I mean, it's a sixth of the season, Jack, if you're going to get Matsy. Uh, we got <laughs> City on the third. Then on the seventh, we got West Ham at home. So away at City, home to West Ham, home to Newcastle, away at Forest, home to Everton, away at Brighton, home to Bournemouth. Nice sort of runner games at home. Because they've, yeah. they've been away quite a lot, haven't they, so far, for whatever yeah. reasons, the yeah. way the fixtures have turned out. So at some point, we're going to get a run of home games. So I love that big Ange quote about how, you know, most people want to turn the home ground into <laughs> a, a fortress, but we're turning it into a party or a nightclub or whatever it was. I, love, I just, I love him. I love him. It reminds me of Dana White a little bit, how it's just, just straight down the middle. You know, it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. All right, gents. Well, thank you very much. I'll see you when I see you. And don't forget, the future's bright. The future's lily white. Come on, you Spurs.